0: Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Male Plus. Coming up on today's show, it's exam results week, and for the second year running the pandemic has changed the way grades are decided. Male Plus writer Kitty Crisp joins me to discuss why this year's method might not have worked out so well for her. Do we all need to stop working from home and get back to the office? I am joined by Dr. Amanda Jones, an expert in work relationships. Plus, beauty expert Hannah Betts is on hand to talk about Botox and Love Island, very important subjects. And Joe Minahan joins me to try and change my mind about wild swimming. Can't be much fun, can it? Or can it? I'm told it is, but I don't get it. And I'm excited to be talking to Esther Anson, who will be on hand to tell us what she has been up to recently. And last, but not least, our astrologer, Teresa Chung, will be attempting to solve the Gordian knot of what to do about Geronimo, the alpaca. But first, here I am with Imogen. Imogen, hello, you are still in Ibiza.
1: I am still in a that I've been in splendid isolation for a week because we were you hit got- with the COVID. <gasps> no. I know. I oh, know. Not Did me, you go obviously. to one of those
0: COVID only parties? Is that why?
1: A, yeah, a positive party. No, my daughter got COVID. Yeah, very boring. So there's a hmm. lot of huffing and puffing and hair flicking hmm. and sitting around uh, not being able to go out. Was her life actually
0: over? Was it actually the end of the actual world? Oh, God.
1: Yeah. The sort of the the knuckles didn't come off the floor. There was so much dragging herself along. Was she actually
0: ill or just just tested positive? No, no,
1: no. Just a tickly cough. tickly cough.
0: And you've all (laughs) been double vaxxed. Yes, they were all fine.
1: Yes, nothing happened to us at all. But
0: you just had to self-isolate. So this week, you've got your GCSE results for oh my daughter tomorrow yes tomorrow haven't you yeah. and i've had the a-level oh. results for my daughter yesterday which was How quite was honestly a night's ma- disaster um there was a massive oh. cock up um with the school uh, which i won't go into for legal reasons but yes so it would have been okay but then it wasn't okay so it was all very st- sort of fraught and it is still quite fraught and then my son gets his results for his gcses tomorrow so i'm in a sort of nightmare exam sandwich today
1: are you sleeping at all
0: me yes I'm sure
1: you can't I mean
0: I'd quite like to be put to sleep actually yes I'm I'm not really sleeping it's very difficult managing the expectations of two children who have been in lockdown for two years and who've worked solidly online to do these exams and whose lives are now slightly well like every other teenager in the country it's been really tough for them
1: up in the air up in the air uh,
0: yeah it's all up in the air and all there I mean you know, obviously life is not straightforward, but I do think that they've had a they've had really had the rough end of it. Anyway, so so Kitty Chris wrote a really good piece I thought earlier this week about her experiences of studying results day. I mean, the other thing to say is that. You know, these A levels are important, but they don't define your entire life and I think we need to tell people that, tell kids yes. that because I mean, yeah, yeah. I got an A and two Ds, which was really less than Stella, <laughs> let's be honest. And I only got the A in Italian because I speak actual fluent Italian. Cuz you um, lived there. Cuz <laughs> so I lived there most of my life. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, um, tick. you know, <laughs> tick. I think you did quite well because you were quite studious, weren't you?
1: I was very, very, surprisingly, very hardworking. Yes, really hardworking. What did you uh, get? I'm just trying to remember. Actually, really, honestly, I think I got two A's and two well, B's. Well, there
0: you go. Yeah, you see, you're pretty... I mean, very interesting. Someone asked Gavin Williamson, who, of course, is the Education Secretary, what he got, and he claims Ooh. he can't remember. And I think the thing is, if you say you can't remember, that means that you can remember, but it's too embarrassing to say. But you see, the thing is, I think if he'd said, oh, well, I got, you know, two D's and a B or something Mm. Um, he could have then gone on to say to to all the A-level students look so you know I'm education secretary so it need not be a barrier to success in life and I think that would have been quite an encouraging thing to say instead of saying he couldn't remember which is obviously (laughs) not very good. So we're joined now by Plus journalist Kitty Crisp who is going to tell us about her experience of exam days how did how was it for you? Well, I kind of always thought a bit. I was a
2: little bit of a joker at school. Yeah. So, and if you weren't in this kind of like elite of like, mathsy, sciencey, mm. people, and you are a bit of a joker, didn't really take things too seriously. Um, I was a bit kind of Englishy. You kind of just got shoved to the side a little bit. I thought. Yeah. Um, which is quite annoying. And they kind of they told me that, you know, I shouldn't be applying for good unis because um, you wouldn't get in. I wouldn't get in. Where did you go to school? It was in the northeast of England. Was it state or private? It was a state
0: school. So um, I think they were just kind of trying to get maybe like a university quota. Yes, they do that. And also they're not, I don't think they're very good with certain types of intelligence. My, my, My daughter's a bit like you. She's a sort of, Fun person and not mm. and t- doesn't take things seriously and says silly things in class and always wants to get a laugh. Very attention seeking. I don't know if you're also attention seeking. Yeah, I don't know where she gets attention seeking <laughs> from. Where do you think that she gets that from? I I'm have no idea. Sarah, no.
1: Anyway. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um And yes, but I think the problem is if you irritate the teachers, it's fine if you then get judged in an exam. But if you irritate the teachers and then COVID happens and then they are in charge of your results... Yes,
2: yes. I can't imagine what that would be like.
0: Yeah, no, well, yes. I can because it's just happened to my daughter. Oh, yes. So happened, oh, no. she, so <laughs> having spent five years... Oh, God, that's the years, perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah, so storm. basically she spent five years in detention... Pretty much, yeah. and now they're judging her results. No, that's not true, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. that thing of, and teachers are biased. I think sometimes.
2: Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, I think some of them, some of them really like me. I think I had like two, yeah. <laughs> out of quite a lot that yeah. really liked me, but the others just kind of thought. Oh, she's not. She's not really taking it seriously. Whereas I was, but you know, I'd like to have a
0: laugh. I wasn't exactly. too disruptive. I don't yes. think. The thing about school, though, <laughs> is it doesn't really judge useful things like being funny and clever and interesting. It just judges whether you can make X the subject. No, which I can't. Can you make X the subject, Imogen?
1: No, I certainly can't make X the subject. But I mean, <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, if you do irritate your teachers, then they will, they will. You know, they can be incredibly petty sometimes.
0: Mm. You know, well, they, they are humans they're... after all.
1: Well, yes. I, mean, I, did, I did actually also spend a lot of time in detention, even though I was quite well behaved. In uh, mm. I, I, For some reason, I did have one teacher who did actually say to me, Imogen, that you irritate me, uh, <laughs> which was <points laughs> I had to leave the class.
2: <laughs> I used to do a great thing where I would turn up a bit late, and because they all kind of thought I was a bit kind of ditzy or whatever, I'd be like, oh my oh my god I just forgot completely where I was going I went to the wrong class and then and then I was there for ages and then they'd just be like do you know what just sit down (laughs) and they wouldn't say anything
0: (laughs) and I mean it is that thing where a school is I mean I think Because there's been so much focus on exams, we sort of forget that school is about more than exams, isn't it? And it is about, I I mean, I I, I think that, you know, I did really badly in my A-levels, I'll be honest. I didn't do any work. I went to a hairdressing college for my A-levels, so I spent most of my time hanging out, smoking cigarettes with hairdressers. Uh (laughs) <laughs> which is, to be honest, much more fun than doing my A-levels. You're um, very, good in, Toms, though, Sarah, very good
1: with some tongs, though, Sarah, right know. I am good with that. tongs,
0: yes. And <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm very are. good with cigarettes as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yes. But, I, but I, um, I do think this sort of awful kind of idea that if your exams aren't quite what you expect them to be, your life is ruined. I mean, what did you get? I mean, you, here you are working on the Daily Mail. Well, some people yeah. might think that was a success. I mean, others might, of course, realise that
2: that's <laughs> well, the path to hell. <laughs> 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 I did like, I didn't do like awfully in my A levels, but I didn't do as well as did you I get expected three a's? to. No, no. I got an A
0: and two Bs, that's I think. That's good. I, you know, good. I can't even remember. Is, I got ad. A friend of mine got bed. B-E-D. Oh, that's and that's and, good. And, and she went to Oxford. Uh, but oh. she had an unconditional offer from Oxford and she did classics. I don't think yes. I ever met anyone that had a an unconditional, unconditional offer. offer. I don't think they do them anymore. I no, they used to do them in the day. olden
1: days, Kitty. Yeah. It was the yeah. olden days when Sarah it was and was I it, were young.
0: nepotism? Ne- <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it was because it was because in the olden days, where we belonged to, obviously, yes. they used to interview everyone. So you or you didn't have a personal statement. You just applied, no. and then you got an interview, and yes. you went to the interview. And what you did, if you were sensible, was you wore a short skirt some nice shoes <laughs> had a glass of wine beforehand and tossed your hair a lot at the most elderly sort of most decrepit professor room. yes
1: yeah. <laughs> and then you, got <laughs> and your they'd say look, uh, you look like an awfully good sport would you like yes. to come
0: here <laughs> <laughs> well thank you kitty that's all right um and and to all anyone who's listening who's done their a-levels this week or has had their results this week it'll be fine don't worry mm. Mm. well it's quite relevant that i'm recording this from the office and Imogen is in Ibiza in her wet costume uh, because (laughs) Chancellor Rishi Sunak said he's worried that people are not coming back into the office and that working from home could be bad for young people's career prospects comes as a number of large businesses including pwc and the bank of england have announced that they plan to continue with a mixture of work from home in future someone who knows a lot about this is dr amanda jones she's a lecturer in organizational behavior and human resource management at king's business school and she specializes in remote working and work relationships dr jones hello hi there thanks for having me are you in the office or are you at home i'm at home today <laughs> so you are working from home i mean i think this uh, this conversation that Rishi's trying to have with the country is quite interesting because what he's really saying is that for young people in particular not being in the office is just it will sort of stymie their growth as as you know as as employees and i do think there's a there's a case there for saying that that's true because i think working from home and all the zoom stuff and everything is fine if you're in certain professions i mean there are some professions which just can't work from home i mean for example if you're a roofer you can't really work from home, can you? I mean, it's quite difficult to do certain things from home. And I also do think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that young people in particular have been very isolated during the pandemic. And although they're sort of hyper connected via the internet, as people, as sort of humans, they're quite isolated. Isn't going back to work something that they should really be looking forward to?
3: I think it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting what you said about it depending on the particular profession or career that somebody mm. wants to go into. I think mm. probably the primary concern that many people have, regardless of their age, with, with teleworking or homeworking, is that they're going to be you know, what we call kind of out of sight and out of mind of the other people mm. within the office. This means they're going to kind of miss out on the, the water cooler chats, that informal mm. communication that people have in the office. And then there are some other issues that come along with that as well. So, for example, if I'm not working more proximately to my colleagues, um, and my managers, is my effort going to be recognized? Am I going to receive the same kind of opportunities that people do when they're in the office? Am I going to get the mm. same, you know, level of pay? It could really be that significant that you kind of miss out on,
0: on these yeah, things. Yeah. Also, also there's, but, there's sorry. flirting as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> is, is flirting. I can't, There's flirting. I mean, there's there's a lot of fun to be had in offices as well, isn't there? I mean, I don't know. I I going for a drink after work,
1: making friends.
3: They do meet their their partners at work. Yes, so lots of people meet their partners at work. They meet friends. They engage in kind of after work either drinks or networking or sporting activities with their mm. colleagues. And there is that so- definitely that social element to working with the office that is missing if you work in a more kind of remote way.
1: I, I imagine it's quite no. hard to mentor somebody who's, yes. uh, who's working from home as well. The idea that, you know, how difficult it might be to actually learn from other people or so-and-so is giving you a quick handy hint about how to do this or that mm. sort of chat about, you know, do you know what, this is a really good way of doing something. That you can't, it's much harder to learn if you're sitting
3: on your own, isn't it? Well, that is really a really important point because mentoring certainly is a key issue and especially for who we call Generation Z, which are Mm. current graduates who are going into the workplace. Um, With Generation Z, I think it's interesting because they're kind of being forced to be more entrepreneurial and they believe they are. And this is something that organisations are encouraging, especially if you look at the changes that we've had with kind of downsizing and that kind of thing. They can't promise the same kind of career that they used to have but actually mm. this can make it more difficult to advance and mentors can help them fill that gap to a certain extent. And also they feel that they often, this generation feel that while they are entrepreneurial, they lack creativity and they often mm. suffer from you know, more anxiety. And mm. mentoring yes, I is think
0: key to helping very key to helping and i think i think that sort of sparkiness that comes you know i i often find that if i'm in an an office situation i mean i suppose we in, in the olden days we used to call it brainstorming but that idea that? that you know you're you're all in the room and you're kind of you know you're feeding off each other's energy and you're and you produce something that is a much better product as a result but but i mean if we look at the way that uh, young people have been affected by not going to school and not going to university and from doing remote learning. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of, there are already a lot of studies saying that, you know, this has really put people back quite, quite, especially, you know, children from deprived backgrounds, that it's really knocked them back a lot in their education. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, I think it's obvious that the same is going to happen to, to young people who are just starting out in the workplace. That If they're isolated and they're at home in this way, they're just not going to get that very important human interaction that just takes them, the next level?
3: it's interesting is there's two two kind of things here which are slightly opposed. I guess you've always got to look at the kind of balance of this and on the one side Mm. definitely soft skills are something that young people need and that's something they're not going to develop in a remote capacity Um, especially with the rise of AI and you know more robots in the workplace but still Mm. some of the lowest well pre-pandemic anyway some of the lowest unemployment that we've seen People need to be able to do the jobs that the robots can't do. And that involves picking yeah. up these social skills from other people. But on the flip exactly. side of that, we also know that young people like flexibility, they like autonomy. So I think it's really important that we, you know, this is a way of working that's probably not going to go away, but it does need mm. to be balanced and it does need to be managed. Yeah. Yes, and also from it a
1: right. sort of boring eco point of view, or well not boring, an eco point of view, <laughs> uh, the idea is that, you know, you're, there's not all that energy wasted on the commute or the idea that we're not polluting the environment by going backwards and forwards in our cars. And actually, you know, it's better for us to be at home and we're not wasting money on cheap sandwiches and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, there I is a that. Cheap I know you like a cheap <laughs> sandwich. I love a cheap sandwich. So do I. I like a cheap sandwich. <laughs> but the idea the idea is that you know we're we're freer to, you know, um, choose our hours and um, mm. you know, it's better for the environment as a whole that we aren't all sitting on the tube.
0: Uh, well, yes, but I think when you're older that's when you should be not polluting the environment and you should just let all the young people go to work and do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but they do really care. That's the thing. You, young people you care do more than any of us about that. I know. I know. Well, no, that is true. I, I think I think you're right, doctors. I think it's going to. I think we're right at the start of this. It's going to be a big change, and it's quite hard to see how it's going to go. But thank you very much for joining us. And maybe we'll, you know, we'll probably talk about this for a lot. I should imagine in the next, you know, six months to two years. Time now for Change Vines Mind. And if you read the Guardian, you'll be very familiar with the concept of wild swimming or. Cold swimming, as some people call it. Now, all my friends are doing this. I've, I've got a friend called Philippa who's so obsessed with it. She keeps trying to get me to go and do it. And the idea of going and swimming in a river and just having a newt between your toes is just
4: like
3: really <laughs> gross.
0: I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something wrong with me, but I have done river swimming in France, and I loved that. But it's just this sort of weird thing of middle-aged women in kind
1: of it is a lot of middle-aged women in in, in those fully hats.
0: Yeah, and also those control swimsuits that they wear, mm. which is supposed yes. to hold your stomach in, but which doesn't really hold your stomach in at all. No, it just in...
1: pops it all up
0: the top and the back. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I've got about four, so I should know. Yeah. Um, and I just don't understand it, and it is a mystery to me. So we are going to be joined by a very lovely man called Joe Minahan, who's going to tell me why wild swimming. He's a, he's a wild swimmer himself, and he has okay. a book okay. out called "Floating: A Return to mm. Waterlog," available in all good bookstores. And he's going to try and change Vine's mind so Joe
5: good luck luck take it away (laughs) okay All right. so for me wild swimming is freedom in its purest form all you need is the ability to swim and even then not very well and access to the outdoors doesn't cost anything doesn't care where you're from what you look like or what your politics are Um, and it's about closeness to nature so as Roger Deakin who was the late author of Wild Swimming Classic Waterlog whose book I retrace he says it offers a frog's eye view where you're in in nature rather than simply looking at it and as our bodies are mostly water we return to this sort of natural state of being when we go wild swimming and one of the things i love about it is that we've got a really cool diverse community of swimmers all over the country of all abilities from triathletes who've got their heads down going really fast to the heads out breaststrokers that you mentioned with the frilly hats i mean i have a hat it's not frilly um and they're all creating a sense of like helping each other out when you're on the beach or by the riverbank sort of egging each other on uh, but being really kind to each other as well and that's really helpful in winter when it's really freezing and uh, you need to sort of sorry to you said can i then.
0: just stop you there joe you said that's really helpful in winter, he did yeah. Say winter. So, so, yeah that means you go swimming in winter
5: oh yeah oh yeah yeah you got to, it's, it you know it think it's the community you keep going through <laughs> you know october becomes november becomes december and before you know it it's uh, it's january and february and do and ever Friday of you night. ever
0: catch pneumonia
5: uh no because this is the other thing is that when you're with the community Everybody knows when they reach their limit. So, yeah, rather than going in on your own and sort of pushing yourself mm. a little bit too far, you say, hang on, I think you've had enough there, out you come. And it's sort mm. of that social side of it that's really important. And that is actually what I wanted to come on to next that is really important. Do you wear important. shoes, Joe? I do my, my
1: question, shoes? Because I have done welterming before and I got a whole lot of duck stuff up, slithering up between mm. my toes. And that no, is just neoprene,
5: neoprene shoes. Neoprene shoes are your friends. <laughs> very okay. important neoprene shoes <laughs> neoprene shoes and a, and, a, and a nice swimsuit that's all you need and a good hat in winter. um <laughs> yes yeah, so and that i mean and that is the other thing actually that i was going to say the social side of it really taps into the really tangible mental health benefits that mm. i especially feel i have anxiety and it's one of the reasons i do it um it's the release of dopamine and endorphins you get from cold water that makes you feel calm and there's a lot of evidence about so-called blue environments so being close to water that lowers the stress hormone, the hormone cortisol.
0: Yes, and, and I get that from a bath. I'll be honest.
5: Yeah, well, you, you can have a cold. You have a cold bath, but you're not. You know, you're not surrounded by nature. You're not surrounded by the beauty of the outdoors. No, that's true.
0: That's true.
5: <laughs> I think my uh, no, problem is that
0: it feels it feels a bit cultish, Joe. I mean, I just I just slightly worry about, you know, I go down there to the pool and suddenly all these people are going, hello, come and, come join,
5: and join us. us. in the cold, well, freezing is, water You know, hats. I would I would say there is a pleasing mm. side of it that is the community side of it. that is actually, mm. you know, it lacks cynicism and it, it really, mm. really, really does. And mm. I felt this, like it's obviously been a big boom of it in the last couple of years, but like, even mm. over the last 10, 15 years, there's this real sense of, of the community embracing people and it does lack cynicism and there's no real push to like, you know, time your swims.
0: or. As a sort of long time wild swimmer, are you at all annoyed with all the sort of fair weather wild swimmers, as it were, all the arrivists who have just turned out because it's been in the Guardian the last two years?
5: Not, a, not <laughs> at all. I think the thing for me is that it's not about... Um, being annoyed with people coming along. It's just the most important thing is that people realize how to swim safely and that okay. staying in for like 15, 20 minutes when you're not acclimatized in the winter, mm. not really a good idea. Not really a good and idea. That going with someone else is really helpful to, and knowing your local conditions is really, well, really I have to
0: be honest well. with you, Joe, and I have to say that it still sounds like hell to me. However, <laughs> I have not done it myself and you shouldn't knock what you haven't tried. So here's the deal. I'm going to go with my friend Philippa and do some of this wild swimming in my frilly cap and i will come back and tell you what i really think about it but i just just there you go and if if anyone tries to get me to join a cult you know i shall just put duck poo in their face (laughs) thank you very much joe i'm afraid you haven't changed my mind but as i say i'm going to give it a go i will give it a go Esther Ranson is one of the country's favourite broadcasters, and she has her own podcast, like me. Only, obviously, hers is better. Called "That's Afterlife" with Adrian Mills, who used to present "That's Life" with her. And she also does a radio show on Boom Radio with her daughter Rebecca. Anyway, I'm delighted to say she joins me now from the New Forest, uh, where she is, I think, eating meringues. Esther, hello.
6: Hello. It's a bit
0: disgusting,
6: isn't it? True. <laughs> no, delicious. In-
0: I yeah, well, an right. idea. It's so nice to have you on. So, where are you in the New Forest and your new residence? I am
6: absolutely. My my whole existence has reversed in the most extraordinary
0: way. When did you do this? March the fourteenth, twenty twenty. And how has it been? And what what what? I mean, everybody now wants to move to the country, Esther.
6: Well, there's a there's a there's a there are two sides to this. My answer to that, because of course. Through the silver line and indeed through child line, I'm and through many friends and colleagues. Of course, I'm very aware of the hugely serious, tragic side to the pandemic. Mm. And you know, I made a documentary for Channel 5 about living with grief, and some of the people mm. there were people that had um, specifically lost people very close to them through the pandemic Mm. so you know i'm not entirely impervious to to the pain that other people are suffering but i do confess to you that it has totally shaken me up reversed my priorities and made me realize that every minute of every day is precious as against the sort of hamster in a wheel existence i had before
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think you know. What, but you seem to cover the beginning and the end, silver line and and child line, and you so so those sort of extremes of life. And I think that, well, particularly when you get old, and my parents mm. have said this repeatedly, and they've been, they've been stuck in Italy, and I haven't seen them for two years actually. Um Gosh. And my father says to me, he says the problem with all this stuff, Ace. He calls me Ace, is that I'm not getting any younger. And, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life, what's left of it, sitting in my bloody sitting room, you know, watching telly. A lot of people have felt that, I think.
6: Well, you see, that has been the way of life for so many Silverline callers before Mm. the pandemic struck. Mm. So for them, they just feel that maybe the rest of the world has a little bit more appreciation of this kind of solitary confinement, which many of them are suffering. So yeah. when, when I say to them, you know, how are you coping in the pandemic? They say, well, what's different?
0: Yes, I'm used to it. This is the kind of thing I do right. all the time. Exactly. exactly. But, I, I, yeah. but I think what's interesting about the pandemic is it has been a, there's been a big generational divide, hasn't there? Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a big, there's, you know, there's a strong narrative now that actually all the young people have had to sacrifice their life in order to save all the old people. I mean, technically, I suppose that is true. And we've just had the exam results. We've just seen lots of, I mean, you must know because you do childline that sort of, you know, mental health problems with younger people and all this kind of stuff because of them being oh. in lockdown. But it is it has been interesting the way that there's been a sort of, I think the generations have found out a little bit more about each other than I mean you te- you know you tend to forget that you only live in your own sort of presence, don't you? So you, whatever age you are, that you consider that to be your existence, and you don't think about other people. But we've all had to think a little bit about other people and to take our. Maybe that's a good thing.
6: Yes, I think there are some positive insights that I think people mm. have obtained. Um, a lady from the village came round and offered me a cream tea. Bless her heart. And I was really grateful. And she said, well, we're so aware that people are getting isolated in the village. Yeah. And we just want to, and she handed me a nice leaflet, which showed me, you know, who to ring if I needed somebody to pick up medication <laughs> or, yeah. you know, who. and I just thought, this is really interesting because I've yeah. been coming to this village since I was eight. And this is the first time I've come across this sort of Thing. community yeah.
0: Holding their yeah. hands out to, to I mean, people. I did and a lot I'm of sure. that. I, I did a lot of yeah. that. I was, a fir- I was one of those first responders for a bit. And I used to go yeah. and do, uh, and go and do shopping for old ladies basically during the pandemic. And I have to say, mm. it was one of the nicest things I've ever done. I really enjoyed doing it. And, mm. you know, you're not, you weren't allowed to go in and chat to them, but just the fact that you were sort of, and it was, there was something really interesting about, you know, someone giving you a shopping list and going to the supermarket and buying food for someone much older, on a budget. You know, you sort of, it, real insights into people's world, you know, and, and, you know, I must have the chicken breasts, but they mustn't be the expensive chicken breasts. They must be the cheap chicken yeah. breasts. And mm. then you thought, thought, you know, and I would sort of, you know, buy her the more expensive chicken breasts and pretend that the cheaper chicken breasts. <laughs> <went to laughs> stop. But I, did, I think it was a kind of, it was, you know, and then I did some food deliveries and I think it was, there were, I mean, I were also pissed off with the pandemic now and so fed up with it that we sort of forget that there were those aspects. Oh. No, I think absolutely right. So what are you working on at the moment? So you, are you focusing on, on anything in particular? Well, I've
6: got a couple of things which are entertaining me and I hope entertaining others. One is a podcast.
0: um, So I wanted to ask you about that. You do it with your daughter, don't you?
6: That is a radio programme and that is hilarious because I get into awful
0: trouble. (laughs) This is on Boom Radio, is it? Yeah, it's on
6: Boom Radio at uh, 7 o'clock on Sunday evenings. And the terrible thing, and I don't know whether you understand this, is (sighs) I feel I've bored my children for so long that A, I want to tell them something I haven't actually been telling them since they were tiny Mm. toddlers. So I try and think of the stories which were too naughty to tell them when they were little. And B, (laughs) I love shocking them. I mean, it's the one pleasure, you know, parents and grandparents have left, I think, is to shock one's children. So I find myself being hopelessly indiscreet and then... Deeply embarrassed for a whole week while I think, did I really say that?
0: Daughters always are horrified when they discover that their mothers, well, their parents and their mothers have had actually had a life. Um, thank you, Esther. Have a lovely Later. afternoon. You are listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus or me at WestminsterWAG. We're here with Hannah Betts, who does a brilliant new beauty column in Inspire on a Monday in the Daily Mail. And we're going to talk about Botox because there's been, brilliantly, there was that mad woman off um, Love Island, I think she's called Faye, if I'm not mistaken, who has got um, lips like sort of, I don't know, two balloons. Anyway, she said that her face might fall off because she's had so much Botox. And I had to say, I'm inclined to agree with her. What do you think, <laughs> Hannah? Have you watched this yes. uh, this Love Island thing? It's, I have, it's really, and, um,
7: yeah. and I'm kind of with her. I think she should go easy. Cause <laughs> so she's
0: I. about, I don't know, fourteen, isn't she? Literally fourteen, and she looks about. At th- that's do you know? There's a really weird thing that happens with plastic surgery, is that sometimes, and it's funny because my daughter, who is fourteen, no, she's not, she's eighteen, but we, watched, she made me watch Love Island. It was my punishment for something. I had to watch two episodes. It was very traumatic for me because I I don't like it. I watched it once in the first series and vowed never to watch it again. Anyway, I was forced to watch it. And I watched the one where Faye went around shouting at everybody in the house, which she's also apologised for. And as my daughter, Beatrice, pointed out, she looks about 45 because she's really? had so much work done.
7: <laughs> I'm obsessed with her makeup. That's kind of why yeah. I'm watching it. Um, yeah. The brown lip liner on those already overblown lips. Yeah.
0: What I mean, it's, it's so like calm, to... isn't it? It is. And also, if you kiss those lips, what's that like? Is it like kissing a balloon? I don't know. I mean, I'm not. It's really weird. But there is that very odd thing where it can be really ageing. I mean, you and I, and I'm not going to include Imogen in this because obviously Imogen has never had any work done. Is that right, darling?
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Literally at all.
0: nothing. She's not had anything So else. not true. Anyway, so not true. Anyway, uh, we all use it to try and look younger whereas these girls seem to be trying to use it to look kind of older older. it's really weird
7: i have a personal theory that they're trying to look they've got a kind of porn aesthetic because that's what that generation has grown up finding attractive and Mm. so perhaps men of our generation would look at that and think god you look weird but if you've spent your entire adolescence looking at pornography, then I think those mm. enormous lips and that very heavy makeup that goes green under the cameras, mm. it suddenly kind of makes sense. And the underboob and the thongs and the... Mm. I don't think it's for us, is it?
0: No, but there is... And also the men do it as well because they've all had plastic surgery and Botox mm. and PEC implants and arse cheek implants and all the things that they have. So they're they all...
1: And No one has any hair either, which is obviously another. Fascinating no, thing but though.
0: that's porn. That is porn. There's I mean, that porn, is yeah. definitely porn because if you're doing porn, you need to see everything, so you have to take mm. all the hair off. Apparently, that's the thing. But I think that the, I think you know, I think it's giving Botox a bad name because actually, Botox used really well and judiciously and in small quantities and applied by a professional, not by someone who's done a weekend course in beauty school, Back but someone who's actually Exact, someone who's actually a proper. <laughs> aesthetic surgeon can be really beneficial can't it hannah
7: are you outing me i i went on friday a
0: bit um i
7: went on friday my boyfriend is away um (laughs) and so i I went to see the other man in my life dr michael prager
3: um
0: and so i'm a little bit
7: bruised but i love it i like watching it settle in actually
0: where do you have it do you have it in your So I have Botox and I don't see Michael Prager. I see a lovely man called Wasim. And I have it for the number 11 between my eyes, which is, and I, I eat Botox. I basically, it doesn't last with me at all because Mm. I frown so hard and so often. So I have it on the number 11 to my eyes, but I also have it in my jaw because I grind my teeth and I find it really helpful. So I was
7: able to do it in lockdown because, um, Mm. I have it for medical reasons. Oh, yes. Um, as a grinder. Um, I don't have an eleven. I think I must have no emotions. Um, so I don't. I don't do that. Um, but um, I have. So I. Uh, the nice thing about um, having it in one's jaw for medical mm. reasons is that it it kind of gives you for a medical
0: reasons. Sorry. For
7: medical <laughs> reasons, you lose your jawline as you get older. So yes. it also
1: serves to make me look less like my mother. Mm. Um, yes, also, jowling, yes. It does also stop you from getting uh, migraines, actually. Yes, it yeah. really does. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that, there really is a medical reason for it. And it, migraines.
0: Yeah, and it saves a fortune on dentistry because I've ground all my teeth down and smashed them all up because I'm such a nutter. And in fact, my dentist says to me that he only ever met one other person that has such a strong bite as me. And that is Roger Federer. So. <laughs> it's the
7: uh, maniac bite of champions vibe. Right? yes exactly <laughs> thank you
0: hannah well hopefully we'll speak to you next week about something else relating to oh, very look, important matters okay my dears lots bye. of love bye hi Teresa, well, how are you
4: i'm all right i've been crying since you asked me to talk about the subject today
0: oh gosh well the thing is okay so mm. this is Teresa shong we're joined by Teresa, who is our regular astronomer And I decided this week that since no one can seem to sort out the problem of Geronimo, the llama, that we would ask you to try and sort out the problem of Geronimo and the llama. So it's not good news that you've been crying.
4: Well, no, because always, I mean, I'm a a huge animal lover. You know, you've kind of got my heart here. So my emotions are clouding my reason. So please be aware of what I'm saying. Now, sadly, the future of this alpaca is fixed which is to be euthanized but when i say with astrology the future's fixed but you also have free will i I, for example if you hold your hand out with a ball in it and you say Mm. i'm going to drop the ball the future of that ball is to hit the floor however Mm. you have free will with your other hand you can catch the ball before it hits the floor so what i'm saying the future's fixed but it can be changed i am concerned astrologically because we're in leo And then we're Mm. moving towards Virgo. And they are not the most forgiving of signs. uh, And they they are not the most signs that like to flout the rules. I mean, if we were in Aries or Aquarius or Sagittarius, I'd say chances are higher for this Mm. creature because that's Mm. a sign that does like to flout the rules. We're moving towards science. We are in signs currently, which don't <laughs>
0: break the rules Virgo, as much. Virgo However, is very sort of by the rule, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. So yeah. I think the chance for this creature to be saved has got to be soon because Leo, mm. the magnanimous lion, can suddenly decide to play the hero. And mm. that's what we need right now. We need more and more people to intervene and to bring emotions into it so that it actually, it, it makes, For the PM to intervene because this is a very Mm. easy thing he can do to win points with the public because the creature is isolated, has been for the last four years, Mm. and it hasn't infected anyone.
0: No, but also look at his little face. Look at his little face. Oh, don't
7: don't, (laughs) just look at his little face. Look at it. Look at the face. And also I said llama,
0: but it's not. It's an alpaca, isn't it? It's different. I went to an alpaca farm once in Israel and they are the sweetest animals in the whole entire world. No, I don't, don't, don't,
4: don't, don't. And the thing is people do lose their, the thing is people are losing their reason now because if you look at it logically, there's a reason why they want to do this and it happens Mm. all the time. So whatever happens to this dear creature, it Mm. will have highlighted a problem of tuberculosis Mm. within animals that we need to be more aware of. So this creature has a purpose on this planet. You know, a kind of yes. a blessed life, and that it's raised awareness. But the more action needs to happen soon, whilst we're still in the heart of Leo, because of the what I don't lions. understand
0: is why he can't just remain in isolation in perpetuity. I know. I mean, it's he's been pedantic, there for four years. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, maybe they yeah. could find it could be like it could be like in Ibiza where they have COVID positive parties. They could find him a nice lady alpaca who's got tuberculosis. Exactly. And they yeah. could put them together in, a, in together. a pen and they could just have a little party between the two of them. And there's never, you know, they could live there. And all the other positive alpacas could go and live with him and they could have a. Anyway, I think I've just got a bit mad now. And I? you
4: could say, let's follow the rules. But this, this <laughs> creature now, because of the public interest, has become extraordinary.
7: Mm, yeah and he has, it, yeah. it's
4: something that is so and it's going to create a lot of anger i mean animal rights activists are going yeah. to get really angry and i think it would be utterly stupid for the government to follow it through i can't say astrologically what would happen because there's too many factors and i don't also know to do
0: also you don't know his date of birth <laughs> no, but, <same laughs> have you ever That's had to, have That's
7: you ever hilarious. tried to do
0: a chart for an hour <laughs>
4: I have actually. I've done pet charts. I'm not joking. Pet astrology is big, big, No,
7: big. no, and it's actually, not. Yes, Don't tell yes. me. No, it, it really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you got a Sagittarius dog or a like cat? <laughs> anyway. But...
0: <laughs> I love pet astrology. No, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look up on pet Plan when my dogs were born, and I'm going to bring that to the next podcast. I'm going to ask you to Sarah. do. I think that's yeah, I'm going to awesome, ask you idea. to do. A, 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 I have a,
4: done a chart for a goldfish. I'm not joking.
0: No.
1: Yeah. doesn't does love
4: animals. I always think with animals, people lose all reason. It's like they've given up with their own species. And I That's do hilarious. think that animals animals are too good for us. We, we don't yeah. deserve them. They're so beautiful. Yeah. And please, please, oh. I'm just saying, come on, say Geronimo.
0: If you enjoy listening to Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at MailPlus or me at Westminster Wag. You've been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thanks for listening.